0: Today's episode is a very special one for me because I absolutely love this topic and of course with a background in social media strategy and marketing. This is a topic that I really, really wanted to have and discuss on the podcast. So of course, I had to find someone that knows everything about the industry and has experience in it. So I'm chatting to Kenneth Sun, who's the founder of Flint Studio. He has over 17 years experience in digital marketing, digital strategy, and web system development. He has worked with... Various brands, big and small, including, Mom Says. What does digital strategy mean?
1: Okay. Well, digital strategy is is often confused with tactics, right? But digital strategy is a combination of tactics and actions that help move your online business in a direction that's being predefined by you, or your digital agency. Um, so I would say you don't need a digital agency to implement a digital strategy, just like you don't need a coach to help you play a certain sport. Um, you can figure it out yourself, but it just takes sort of longer. Um, and, and I, and I think when it comes to digital strategies, it's good. It's definitely good to have one. Um, but I think what, what we've seen is a lot of people confuse tactics with strategy. Uh, a strategy is we're trying to do something, and by doing a, a collection of tactics, we're able to achieve a set result, and that's that would be the strategy that we sort of undertake um, to, to get to get to the results. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's the, the biggest sort of thing for us. We see so many businesses that come to us and they they've got tactics in their minds that they confuse with uh, strategy yeah
0: why is it so important to have a digital strategy
1: okay well the the importance lies in the fact that you know in any endeavor you know if you if you know what you're trying to achieve um and, and you have clear goals and objectives um, having a strategy is, is, I would say, the second most important thing after that, because if you don't have a strategy, you're basically in a in a in a in a, uh, a boat without a without a rudder. You kind of go where the the, the current takes you. Um, you may, by fluke, end up um, at your sort of objective or goal, but without the strategy, which is the rudder path you're not really aiming towards that goal properly um, and efficiently. So I think that that's why it's so important and critically important to have a strategy. Um, I use an example, like, like I think a lot of, a lot of um, businesses focus a lot of energy around efficiency, right? So I always use an example of um, going to a new city and then having a map right? So sometimes people people get, get to a new city and they've got the wrong map. So that's where the strategy comes in, right? The strategy is the map. So if you have the wrong map, um, and you're f- very efficient in, in sort of reading the map and interpreting the map, but it's the wrong map, you're basically spending a lot of time, energy, resources, money, um, getting nowhere. So that's why it's important to have a strategy, just like it's important to have the right map. But having the wrong strategy or just winging it means that you're, you're, you, know, you, you may end up spending years trying to figure out where it is that you should be going and only finding that out years later. So it's much better to have a strategy up front. Um, and even if it's not this huge overarching strategy, it's just to have a strategy in place.
0: That sounds like a lot like me and how I started, you know, my blog, not realizing that it's a business or what I was doing, knew nothing about strategy and then just grew it and then realized, okay, I want to do something else. And that's how I met you because of my startup mom says, and I must say, you have taught me a lot about this. Like I never used to think about anything strategy. And you like kind of pushed me (laughs) to sit down and really think about it because it's just so important long-term. One of the biggest struggles I feel like a lot of, you know, new brands or beginners struggle with is being consistent with having a strategy. So what tips do you have on establishing a new brand online so you can look consistent?
1: Okay. So I think, I think, you know, branding, I think a lot of people confuse branding with um, perhaps, you know, just getting a logo, getting some letterheads done, um, and getting, a, um, you know, the, the, the right fonts. That's just sort of one aspect of it. That's the sort of physical manif- manifestation of your, your brand. But a brand is so much more, right? So let's just talk a little bit about branding in general. Um, and I don't pretend to be a branding expert, but we do work with some of the top branding agencies in the country. And from all the meetings of all of the years, I think one of the things that you know we've picked up is that you know brand's important. It talks to who you are as a company. Just like, you know, Sinead, you have a personality. Um, mm. Your brand should have a personality. Your business should have a personality. You know, uh, you may be quirky and you may be... You know, funny at times. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, even as a business, you, you may have a not so serious tone uh, or voice. Um, so all of that needs to then translate into your sort of digital um, experience, right? So when we look at, when we start looking at brands in the digital realm, we usually are guided by um, quite an extensive brand uh, strategic documentation. Or marketing strategy, or communication strategy. If you don't have one, it's okay. You know, you can start with just you know what your logos is, what your colors are, um, and just translating that into the digital realm to make sure that there is a level of consistency in everything that you do, right? Just like it's difficult to communicate with someone who on Monday is all happy and. You know um, um, happy-go-lucky, and then on Tuesdays like upset and sad, and on Wednesdays angry and frustrated, you know mm. you, you tend to think of that person as not very sort of you know you can't you can't really develop relationships with with someone who's so unpredictable so think about that in terms of your brand right you can't have you know in January, you're giving away offers and your brand is all about. You know, it's generous um, competitions, giving people tips and tricks on how to do things, and then February it's like, oh no, now we like this corporate, you know, and anything you need from us, you need to pay for it. You're like all of a sudden you're turning to like lawyers, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and you, you you're basically charging by the minute or by the, by by the hour, um, and then come March, you've got this um, different approach again. So you know the, the, the branding is consistency, and the strategy is how you sort of get to your objective. So, so so the best way to sort of answer that that question around how to how to appear consistent is as much as you don't want to use different variations of your logo every time you put something out there. The way you speak to your consumers or the way you speak to the market should be consistent, right? You shouldn't have multiple personalities for your business like different days of the week or different, you know, month of the year, it should be a consistent, you know, uh, sort of color, consistent tone and voice, consistent logo usage, you know, and, uh, and I think it speaks to also once you've defined who your brand, you know, appeals to or what your brand stands for um, is whatever you produce needs to be within the realm of those parameters that you've set yourself in the beginning when you when you built the brand.
0: I like what you said there because it makes so much sense. Sometimes we don't really think about this and we just start posting. Yeah, That's me, for example. And then <laughs> like t- <laughs> two months down the line, I'm like, no, this is not what I want. Yeah. And then I change it again. And then I'm like, oops, I'm not being consistent. And I know my audience is confused as in what is Shan up to and where is she going? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. And I know there's lots of brands, you know, businesses, especially content creators like myself, who's trying to figure out which are the right platforms for their businesses and why. Do you have any tips on how one can determine that? Sure,
1: sure. I think, you know, the the one thing is obviously experience, um, which is difficult because, you know, it's difficult. It's like a chicken and egg, right? So how do you gain experience Mm -hmm. if you haven't tried anything? Um, It's like somebody who's, you know, in the perpetual, I'm always an intern because nobody wants to give me an opportunity to gain the experience, but every job that I look for, they want experience. So it's the same thing with sort of being an entrepreneur or starting a new business it's like you, you don't want to miss out on different platforms it's so exciting you've got you've got you know snapchat you've got instagram you've got pinterest you've got all these new platforms coming up um and i think you know you, you gotta find a center for your brand or for you right so you know if if you're doing a podcast or if you're doing if you you are setting up an e-commerce site um it's okay to have in the beginning a few different sort of approaches um nobody's going to say oh my god this company has like three different approaches I'm not going to work with them i mean when you start as as many many, many people would know it's difficult to say, okay, well, this is exactly what I want. And this is exactly how it's going to play out. Cause that's not real. That's not real. That's not the real world that we're living. Um, so you may find a, a period uh, within the business that you think, well, you know, based on the interactions of my audience, I should actually do more of this. Right? So here's the, here's the tricky part. Like, I always say to a lot of startups or a lot of our clients, like don't try and tick all the boxes, right? Because when you tick all the boxes, what you end up being is you end up trying to be everything to everyone, right? So I've got clients that come to me and they're like, well, I want to be on Facebook and then I want to be on Pinterest. I want to be on Twitter. and I want to be on LinkedIn and I want to be on YouTube. And I'm going to do a podcast. I'm also going to do some YouTube videos. I'm going to have my own channel, and I'm like, wow, you know, how many people do you have working for you? Like 120. <laughs> so, so like, if you don't have the resources, you got to be realistic on what, what you're able to manage. And do that consistently for a period of time. Um, and then start gauging interest, uh, engagement from your audience, and feedback. And, and based on that, you can then make a decision whether or not you want to pursue a specific channel that works for you. In In our world, when we do a digital strategy for, for a client, we we share a lot of our insights and experience that, that we've had over the years working with different startups, so we can obviously guide but I always say, you know, there are no case studies that are relevant, well um, let me correct myself, there are no case studies that are 100% relevant to Your business, right? Because even if an exact same business came to me six months ago and I did a digital strategy for them and we worked out exactly which metrics work, it is still uh, an estimation on how you should approach your business six months later, right? Because the learnings that I've had six months ago may not be the learnings that you'll get six months later. So I always say to people look at the case studies, yes. Look at your competitors in terms of the competitor analysis. Yes. But ultimately it's your business. You got to look at the data that's coming back from from the market around your business Um, and then make a decision around the the platforms that are are A, successful, um, and B, this is the important part, that are getting engagement and that are actually moving the needle in terms of your business. Right. So, so um, I, I want to use this sort of an example of something that's happened with two of our clients um, and they've, they, they approached us. So, so I don't want people to think that, you know, we got them to that point. Um, okay. Because, <laughs> so so a, a client approached us, um, a medical client, a pharmaceutical, and they, they have 36,000 people on their Facebook page. And, you know, the, the thing is, they they didn't know which platform they should be on, so they weren't onto Facebook and then they went on to Instagram, which is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they spent a bit of money promoting the posts and they got thirty six thousand likes and you know, and it's a lot of that's quite a f- big following because they spent quite a bit of money getting getting those people. But the problem is they weren't targeting correctly. So their audience are in fact doctors and healthcare professionals. So when we did an audit of the the the, the platform for Facebook, we realized that out of the thirty six thousand people, there were maybe five hundred or seven hundred people that were actually their target audience. Wow! So it's important to understand who your target audience is. So there's there's four there's three there's three or four things I want to sort of um, raise, right? So the one is your target audience. Who are you trying to target? Is your audience on the platform that you're going to sort of talk to? That That's important. Because if they're not there, sort of don't bother, right? If you're targeting, let's say, retired individuals, people looking to retire, don't go onto Snapchat, right? Because mm. they're not there. <laughs> and if they are there, you know, they're, they're like one in a million, right? Or one in 10,000. That's not your audience. And don't just be on Snapchat because... You know, there happen to be 3 million people there because those 3 million people are probably all, you know, y- youngsters. Yeah. So, 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 first of all, identifying the, the, the platform based on your target audience. Secondly, look at your business objective. You know, what, what are you trying to achieve, right? Are you trying to grow the platform? Um, are you trying to have a certain conversation? Are you trying to monetize that audience? Um, are you trying to advertise to them? You know, what is your goal? What is your end goal? It's always good to look at, you know, like always say, you know, what does success look like? Uh, so in the digital realm, be careful what you wish for, because some people are like, oh, I want to be famous. And then they're <laughs> like, they become famous. And then there's all this work and the the work's not paying the bills. You, do, yeah. you know what I mean? So like we have people that approach us and again, I don't mention names, but we have, you know, outwardly successful agencies that approach us and say to us, listen, our our social media is so successful. Every time we post something, we've got like a thousand likes and 2000 comments and everybody's like, you know, like really amped, but Mm -hmm. we struggle to get business. Right. So, so again be careful what you wish for if you wish to be popular you can become popular but then you may not make money because your 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 metric is fame or popularity <laughs> you know so you could have a whole bunch of followers that are deeply engaged but because you haven't thought of how you're going to monetize it or what you want to do with the audience you may you may sort of find yourself in a bit of a like a conundrum yeah yeah um, the third thing is user behavior. This, this is something that we, we sort of speak about quite a bit, is that on the platform, let's say it's Facebook, okay? Um, what are people likely to do on, on the platform? So if, if people are on that platform sharing pictures of family and friends, you know, and, and they like pictures of, you know, their friends' holidays, you know, everybody's living their best life on Facebook all the time. Um, or you get people that, you know, share share their sort of deepest, darkest thoughts, okay? But will they necessarily use that platform to engage um, a business for something that is more serious, right? So would they necessarily go onto Facebook to look for a lawyer, for example? And the answer is no. You know, they, they would likely, you know, Use Google for that, or they'll likely look look for uh, someone on LinkedIn. There is Facebook for business, but the behavior is not necessarily there. Um, another example around behavior is somebody said to me because we're building a couple of uh, e-commerce sites, and again, this is this is a very common um, sort of conversation that I have with a lot of my clients is that something new's come up. You know, so now there's Instagram shopping. Yes. Yeah. Halfway through our e-commerce blog, we get this call, we get this email saying, hey guys, Instagram shopping's out, what should we do? (laughs) You know? Mm. So it's like, okay, well, it's there, yes. And just because it's there doesn't mean you have to drop everything you're doing and just jump onto that. Because the behavior is that people use Instagram shopping maybe one or two times out of a hundred, right? They would complete or they would likely use e-commerce on their laptop or their desktop, right, to put in all the details, um, and they'll likely use Instagram more for brand awareness. So even though the features are there or the functionalities are there, it doesn't necessarily mean that the user behavior, especially in South Africa where we're not I, – I would say that, you know, on mobile we're ahead of a lot of countries, but, you know, if you look at the data – people 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 are engaged but they they're not necessarily converting on mobile. So so mobile is is um, you know I'm talking in, in, in relation to e commerce mobile is a good sort of support for brand awareness, for engagement, um, leading up to a conversion. It's it's still not being used to shop. That's why, you know, you want to take a lot, they'll give you um, uh, special office, like if you buy on the app, you get twenty percent off, but only if you buy on the app because they want you to buy on the app. Right? They don't want you to necessarily just always shop on your your laptop or your your PC. Um, but that's the sort of behavior modification that even someone as big as take is trying to trying to encourage their user base to move towards. So off the bat, you know, if you're a new business and you're like Wow, this is new. I'm just gonna drop everything uh, and go for the newest, shiniest um, technology or piece of marketing. And I think that's that's you know like the easiest um, mistake to make is that that's new. I'm gonna try that um, because there are set ways in which people behave in, in the South African context, and when they behave a certain way, I think. You know, we can look to, you know, historical data in terms of, okay, so 60% of people will do this and this before they shop online. This is the sort of lead time. This is how many emails they'll get before they'll make a purchase. All of the data is available. You just got to make sure that you're tracking it. Um, you know, so, so, and I think for, 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 for us, choosing the platform to engage on depends largely on, you know, like I said earlier, the business objective, the target audience, the behavior of the audience, right? And then also like what you stand for, like which was your, I think, second question around or third mm-hmm. question around brand consistency, right? So if your brand stands for, um, you know, like a professional business-to-business type of engagement, then I would say choose LinkedIn, because that's where the businesses are. you know. I wouldn't choose Instagram if, you know, if, if your business is about you know, drafting you know, commercial law contracts. I definitely wouldn't use Instagram as a, a platform. You can get a lot of awareness, but you'll, you'll end up with, not, I wouldn't say the wrong people, because they might even be the correct people if you target them correctly, but they're just not in that state of mind to be engaging with a professional service when they're on Instagram. I'm I'm hoping that I've made sense there.
0: No, definitely. Lots of it. Um, Talking about metrics, because you brought up that word a lot, Mm. how do you measure the effectiveness of a social media strategy?
1: Um, I think we look look at uh, metrics... I would say slightly differently, right? So we try to s- steer clear of the vanity metrics. I'm sure you know what those are. Like vanity metrics are like, you know, how many followers do I have? Yeah. How many likes do I get? They're called vanity metrics because, you know, they don't really mean too much. They sound good, you know. So we'll get companies that come to us and say, you know, we should build our audience to about 10,000. You know, we should spend this much budget. To get ten thousand likes, you know, I mean, you could, you could target like a broad audience and get ten thousand likes quite easily, if you if you mm-hmm. don't really care about the quality of the likes that you're getting, right? Um, so so you could you could even buy likes if you really, you know, <laughs> you could you could buy ten thousand likes for for certain amounts of sort of US dollars on certain websites. Uh, It's not the right way to sort of do it. So we look at, you know, metrics in terms of engagement. So I would rather have 500 people that are engaged with the brand, with your business, that are valuable to your business in terms of potential business, uh, in terms of potential um, PR, in terms of potential sort of brand ambassadors, versus 50,000 people that don't really even know why they're on your Facebook page, right? So again, you know, when we look at the metrics, we look at, first of all, the, the, the types of metrics that make, make sense in terms of meeting objectives, okay, business objectives. So for example, again, like if we, if we get a whole bunch of engagement uh, metrics, and we, we see that hey, you know, the audience is really engaged with us every time we ask a question. You know, they, they, they answer every, every time we run a poll, we get like 60 70% engagement. So, we've got a really engaged audience. Okay, that's that's the good part. And then the next part would be how do we then convert this engagement and this attention into what our business objectives are? Right. So, say for example, my business objective is to get people to come and let's use mom says as an example. So, our our objective is to get people to uh, rate and review our products uh, uh, on the platform. Yeah. So, you know, we need the engagement, sure. We need the audience, yes. We need the right audience that are engaged. Once we have that, we can start looking at. Okay, so beyond reviewing and rating, what do we want the audience to be able to do? If we want a set action, we need to then look at what type of metrics would um, allow that action to, 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 to happen or to be performed. So a lot of the, the e-commerce sites, a lot of the bigger e-commerce sites, I mean, the biggest Amazon, for example, they've got so many data points on each and every one of us or each and every one of the customers that they can start using metrics to help the, 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 their business target people at the right stage in the buying cycle. So they'll know things about you before you even know yourself. <laughs> the, the, Wait, Kenneth, you
0: know, I have to stop you there because I always thought it was freaky when I talk to someone about something and then like I go on Facebook I see an advert and I go onto any website and I see an advert that's related to that advert and I always wondered is like Facebook hearing everything I'm talking to (laughs) about with my friends like what's going on so is Is that something similar to what you're talking about?
1: Well, you know, I think the conspiracy theorists in all of us would say they're already doing it, right? Um, But even if they were, I don't think any of the big companies would openly admit it because that would be a huge violation to privacy, okay? But I have heard that before for numerous people. Like, you know, if you can talk about a certain topic enough when you go out for a drink, and then you go back onto Facebook and that product or that service becomes, you know, center stage. Um, but it, it may be a confirmation bias as well, meaning you think about it and then you see it, you know you know what I mean? So yeah. So, so the, the type of metrics that I'm talking about, you know, they don't need to listen in to your, to your <laughs> conversations. But they can say, I mean, there, there was an example of just your purchase behavior. So your metrics can include what you've bought in the past to what they recommend that you buy in the future, right? So there was a story, and this is not an, this, you know, it started off, I think a lot of people said it was an urban legend. And this is, this is quite an old story, but there, there was a story of this um, single father with his teenage daughter, I think in America. And this isn't even like email, marketing. This was like broadsheet. So Target in America prints out broadsheets based on your profile. So you get a Target loyalty card, and then every time you go buy, you swipe your loyalty card, and they build up um, informational analytics or metrics around what you've purchased. So in this particular instance, what happened was this, this teenage girl, um, she's been buying a whole bunch of products her father wasn't aware um and then when they sent her to well when they sent the target broadsheet in the post the father opened it up and it's a whole bunch of you know baby products pregnancy you know, you know so so the father actually phoned up target it's like why the hell are you sending me all this stuff like i've got an 18 year old daughter nobody buys this stuff you guys you guys don't know what you're doing you know and this is irrelevant and you know. So you got quite upset, but it turns out that Target knew that the daughter was pregnant based on the purchase behavior before the father knew that his own daughter was pregnant. So it shows you the importance <laughs> or, wow. or, or the power that data has in terms of marketing. And so so the metrics, the metrics make up the, da- the data, right? So the different data points that you're you're looking at in terms of social media would be engagement. It would be a completion of an event or a goal. A goal could be making a purchase on an e-commerce site from social media, or a goal could be downloading a PDF or watching a video. Right. So the the metrics that are important are the ones that are outlined in your goals and objectives. Again, coming back to be careful what you wish for. If you wish for X, the metrics that support X, or the metrics that support the activity that leads to X, are then the most important metrics, right? Because everything else is kind of irrelevant unless they play a part in supporting the users in sort of attaining or reaching X, X being the the objective. So I think to answer that question, yes, I would say engagement is important, the right type of audience is important. So targeting the right audience is important. So again, you know, I'm all for growing your base to millions of people, right? Uh, but like it, it it just doesn't seem very efficient to to from the onset to, to just invite everyone into the your sort of your Facebook and Instagram page. Because if everyone is your audience, then you know, it's a difficult it's a difficult sort of uh, strategy, you know, being everything to everyone. It's much easier to have, you know, three or four audiences that you, you know you can um, go after. Um, I guess it depends on the business. But if you know your audience and you know your objectives, then your metrics play an important part in, in getting you there. Because you could make sort of weekly or every two weeks, you could make tweaks to your campaign into your messaging in, within your campaign to then uh, tweak and um, optimize so that you get better results. Um, and that's the, that's the magical part about digital marketing um, is that you're able to do that. You could, you could never do that with print. You can't even do that with radio uh, or TV. Mm. Uh, they, they, they are kind of doing it with streaming um, platforms like Netflix. But the metrics is what makes digital marketing so exciting. Um, And that's why, you know, so passionate about, you know, digital marketing.
0: Okay. So you mentioned, you know, having a goal and, well, a message in mind before posting. So does that mean before I share any post on Instagram or Facebook, I should actually work on the caption and see what's my end goal for this post and plan ahead before I just post like, you know, I shouldn't be doing it spontaneously <laughs> if I'm making No, no, sense. no, no, no.
1: I, 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 I think there, there's room for both, right? You don't want okay. to become overplanned, meaning all your posts have a, you know, set routine regimen. Um. Although in marketing, consistent is a, a, a strong sort of point. You know, nobody wants to, even for, let's say, this, like this type of podcast, nobody wants to be hearing a different type of podcast every week. You know you know what I mean? Like with different yeah. topics and different themes, different types of people, you know, like, like nobody wants to hear, okay, week one, you're talking to like yoga instructors. Week two, you're talking about, you know, Space travel week three. You talk about how to, you know, squeeze grapes and make wine. <laughs> you know, like your audience is going to be confused. Like, what the hell is this podcast about? You know. So yeah. Just just like that with your social media, you should have a content plan that that's produced a month ahead. Okay. Okay. So that for the entire month of say July, it's already planned by the twentieth of June. So you know what you would post uh, on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, best times to post according to research on different platforms. Um, And then, and then from there, I think you should have the ability to post ad hoc. You know, when something happens in the world, you know, you should, you shouldn't be like, Oh my God, I've already got everything for July. You know, now that they found a cure for COVID, I'm not going to post about that until August, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah, because now everything July's been pre pre planned, so you should have something that allows you to post ad hoc. But those ad hoc posts should have some guideline or framework that you can refer back to, right? Just like any content plan should have some form of um, guiding principle, just like your brand has a guiding principle, the content that you put out should be guided by some form of a framework so let me give you an example right so let's say you know your 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 brand tone and voice is inspirational you know and it's mm. it's motivating it's inspirational um, and you you talk you know um, not in the sort of long thesis format it's short it's punchy it's quirky right um, so so your framework would be not necessarily like a 50-page framework where every time you post you got to read through like a book before you post. It's not realistic, but your framework could literally be five or six points that you take into consideration. Okay, so I'll give you an example. First of all, is it on brand? Is it on you know? Am I talking in the language that I would usually use when I'm speaking to my audience? So that would be the the, the first point. Second point is which of my audience group is this message for? Is this post for? Right? So am I targeting my, my sort of younger audience? Um, in your case, am I targeting um, expecting moms or am I targeting existing moms? Right? So like, you like can be both. It can be one, but then at least you know. At least you know, you're not, like, you're not putting out a post and you're talking to, say, for example, like a plumber in Boxburg. <laughs> right, okay. like yeah. you don't just randomly talk about something that that's not relevant to to your to your platform. And then, what is the end goal? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Like, right. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to sell, you know, baby, um, or formula. It doesn't have yeah. to be that. It, it can be like, well, I just want engagement, or I want to educate, or I want this content to inspire. I want to motivate. That's fine, right? But okay. at least you know what it's for, uh, so you're not just posting for the sake of posting. And that's why, without a framework, it's easy for brands. And I get this a lot from bigger brands, especially ones that are um, sort of more established in the FMCG space. If you don't have guiding a social media framework or guideline, you tend to the conversation tends to. It tends to um, follow what the the community wants to talk about, right? Um, And that could Mm -hmm. be a dangerous thing, you know, because there's this herd mentality. So, like, Mm -hmm. let's say everybody wants to talk about kittens, you know, because they love pictures of kittens. I mean, and your brand that sells cereal, what do you do? You start talking about kittens and cats, you know what I mean? So it's not always good to say, oh, well, just give people what they want, because you know, as a brand, you should know what you want to be telling and uh, share with people. You shouldn't be in a position where you're just like going with the flow. And that comes back to the strategy we spoke about earlier. If you were just floating in the middle of the ocean, and you had no rudder, meaning you had no strategy, mm. you don't dictate where you end up, or you can't control where you end up. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like social media as well. You know, you can have a lot of conversations the next thing you know becomes political becomes racial becomes you know you know right wing left wing you know and um yeah you may not like the conversation that you're having um because you're kind of just going with the flow so yeah so i think for 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 me um the the important part of you know like um social media is to have those things in mind um, and just a quick checklist in your brain, in your mind, before you post.
0: Yeah. Talking about posting and listening to your audience, etc. I think the biggest struggle for a lot of small businesses or entrepreneurs is how do I try and get as much organic reach as possible on these platforms? And I think one of the reasons many of us, share what the audience wants is because when we do boom, the engagement is there. Yeah. So any tips or
1: tricks on that? I okay, guess. So, I mean, you touched on one point, I mean, um, you know, when you share with people what they want, um, you know, they, they engage, right. But yeah, it's also got to be what you want. Uh, yeah. You know, so, so it's like, um, so, on mom says or on any business, you know, you gotta have your center and then you can have a conversation in a certain way. Or you could post something that has relevance or has value to that audience. Okay. So so again, I like I like to use examples because examples give people context and how they Mm -hmm. can so maybe if they're listening to this podcast, they can think to themselves, okay, well this may work for my business in the following way, um, because, you know, I can, I can talk about theory, you know, until I'm blue in the face, but then people are like, yeah. how, how do you actually even use that? So I'll give you an example. Like um, The way that people are searching and the way that people are engaging, whether it's on social media or digital, it's um, it's like, it's, I always say everyone's tuning to one radio station. It's uh, WRIFM. And it stands for what's in it for me, right? (laughs) I love it. Okay. So, you know, we can all pretend, oh, my product is amazing. My offering is amazing. Everyone should love it. And, you know, that's the reason they have the wooden spoon section for pop idols. Because if Mm you're just listening to close friends and family, you know, your singing voice to to them is amazing. They're tone deaf because they want you just to <laughs> succeed, right? When you reach the real world, you will get good, bad reviews, you know? And that's based on the content that you produce, right? Mm-hmm. So organically, there's, there's quite a bit that you can do, but my advice is find the audience that, that you're talking to, find out what their pain points are. Okay. So what's in it for them? What are their pain points? Do they need to be educated? Are they looking to learn? Do they want to be entertained or do they want to be inspired? What are those pain points? Once you can unlock those pain points, you can produce the type of content that can then get the, the engagement that you need to grow your, your, your platform. And, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs probably don't want to hear this, but this is the truth. Um, most of the platforms have matured when I said platforms – Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, or most of them have matured to a monetized model. Okay. okay. So it's pay to play. Right? You can take the road where you're, um, you know, just organically growing your audience. It's a much longer road, right? Or you could still produce relevance. Um, and valuable content, but you boost it or you you run a Facebook ad campaign, you can reach a much bigger audience, right? But you always want to do that in the beginning so you can grow your audience and then start having conversations and some measuring because it's just like a great, you know, somebody that makes a great speech you know, if you think back in history, you know, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, um, you know, all the great sort of speech makers, you can't really have that great speech. And, you know, you have like six people in the auditorium, you know, yeah, you have to have an audience first, now, like you can write the most profound things. Those six people can only tell so many people. So sure, mm-hmm. everybody starts from somewhere. But what I'm saying is like, you know, with paid media, you're able to just reach let's say a thousand people get them onto your platform get them to like like the the, the platform um, and, and make sure you you're targeting the right people that the, the type of people you want and just like fishing you know if you put the right bait out there you'll catch the right type of fish. So we've we've done ads or targeting for for, for clients where they say you know, you know, we're getting a lot of leads or we're getting a lot of interest, but geez, these are all small fish and they can't afford our services or, or, or products and they're just wasting, they're like time wasters. So so mm. we look at that, that's great. I mean, that's great feedback. So we then we ask questions and then we find out, okay, well, if these people are all, you know, the wrong type of audience, can you tell us who the right audience would be? Okay, now now they tell us, no, it has to be companies of this size. So we start targeting the right type of companies and we change our messaging that speaks to those people and their pain points, right? Um, So for example, you know, if if you're talking about a certain service, you know, and um, being in a service sector and you're trying to, you're trying to, Secure big deals with big companies. You can't have a message that's like buy one get one free, buy today save. You know that's a very sort of like consumer-facing type of message, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about things like you know case studies. You want to talk about things like return on investment for your business, financial. Um, you know, you know the 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 fact that you could spend. Money with us and you can make back three folds or fourfolds. those are the type of things that trigger you know the the pain points of a CFO, for example. so you've got to okay. get into that language if you want to attract CFOs of companies. but if you're trying to attract moms, you've got to use the language that works for moms and you've got to come up with an offer that moms can really um, sort of engage with or or or, or, or that that really feels valuable to them, or, f- or, or or makes them move to the next step in, in their, their their sort of buying cycle or engagement cycle.
0: Okay, so if I'm hearing correctly, you would think that using paid media from the beginning, example Facebook ads, is not such a bad idea.
1: Yeah. No, it's not, because you, you can grow organically, you know, for a few months, but you'll see that, and, and I'm not talking about this, you know, because I want everyone to do Facebook ads, <laughs> yeah. if anything, you know, I think um, there's a lot of people doing Facebook ads and it's sometimes quite saturated, but purely yeah. speaking from brands, you know, we've been doing social media marketing for eight, nine years. All right? So, being there, done that, got the t-shirt many times over. Um, and when we first started, we worked on a quite a big brand, um, sort of a South African brand, a cereal brand. And um, we grew, I think, from like zero to like six, seven hundred people. And it took us like a few months. And we're like, this thing is really, you know, and, and to, to, be, to be quite honest, we weren't really experts in social media because guess what? Nobody was, right? Because yeah. social media marketing was so new and people were like and, – and even Facebook didn't really even have a proper advertising model back then. So, mm. so then what happened was after the first two, three months, we were like, no, 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 something's not right. You know, we, we're growing organically, but it's still very slow. So then we put some media budgeting, and then, and then we were able to grow from 600 to about 10,000, and then over the next few months, I think within the year, we got to about 64,000 sort of likes and followers on the platforms. And those were really engaged audiences um, because, we, we, you know, we set our targeting to the right people. So I guess if I had to get advice, start off organically, Start seeing who you know, Who are the people that are engaging with you? What sort of age bracket are they in? Are they male, female? You know, where do they live? Um, you don't have to ask them this. You can find all this data in the Facebook Insights. It's a bit creepy if you ask them. Um, <laughs> um, so once you, you identify, okay, most of my audience are female, most of them live in big sort of main cities like Durban, Joburg, Cape Town. Uh, and most of them are like between the ages of 24 and 35. Okay, cool. So when when I run a Facebook campaign, I can then see of the posts that I've posted, which are the ones that are getting the most engagement. Okay, it's the ones that promote or it's the ones that educate or this the ones where I give free things away. And then from there, what you can do is run an ad um, or boost the post and you'll get to a bigger, wider audience outside of your existing audience. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Facebook is completely pay-to-play, even with your own audience. If you have 10,000 likes mm. on Facebook on, on your page, of a sort of a company page, you know that if you don't boost that and you, you just post organically, that it's between 5 and 7%, if you're lucky, maybe 10% of your audience actually get to see it in their timeline. I don't, think, I don't know if you know this, but it's a very yeah. low number, even if these people already like your page. Right? So with paid, you can not just expand to sort of all of your audience, but we can expand to people, what we call lookalike audiences, and people that are in the same sort of segmentation as your existing audience that you can pre-select. Um, we're doing some really exciting work in the LinkedIn space where we're able to, you know, we can work, we've worked on quite a bit of work. Um, we've done quite a bit of work on the LinkedIn algorithm. So, so like the best time to post, the type of post, what sort of budget we put behind it to get the maximum reach. And, you know, if, and LinkedIn works similarly to Facebook, if a post that you put out gets a lot of likes within the first hour, it gets shown more. I don't know if you know this. Right? So it's Facebook and LinkedIn both have its own algorithms on how they would continue to promote your posts, whether it's boosted, paid, or organic. So in the first hour, it's important to try and get as many people to like and comment because if you can do that, it can reach more people, and it's a snowball effect. So a lot of times, I think the the reason that you know you can do quite a bit on your own and learn it, but you know like like some of the guys that that, that work that work with us, you know they've they've been looking at this stuff for like five six years straight. That's all they do every day, right? Mm-hmm. So it is difficult for for somebody who's starting a business making you know battery packs, you know. I'm saying that because I'm staring at my rechargeable battery. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, to, to all of a sudden, you know, overnight become a social media guru. Um, yeah. But I, I would say start organic, learn, and then start playing around with smaller budgets towards paid and, and start seeing the results. I've, I've known quite a few companies, you know, they, they've only approached us, after like running their own social media for a few years, and then they really want to ramp it up, and that's why they're purchasing. Yeah. And that's okay, you know. And then I find people as well that that sort of self self educate, and they do very well, like yourself, you know. Um, and it's trial it's, and error. Yeah, trial and error. Um, as long as you're not making too many of the same mistakes day in day out, you know. Like I said, no case studies out there for you except you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up LinkedIn because I never really used that platform, yeah. but I know that I have quite a few connections and I didn't know that it was very similar to Facebook. So I guess that's also a space that more entrepreneurs and small businesses should start investing their time in because now you said that you can do ads as well. So,
1: Definitely. wow. LinkedIn's growing very quickly, uh, LinkedIn's you know people. You know if you're looking at high level, people say, "Well, why why are you on LinkedIn to make connections and to find jobs?" You know? But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's interesting. But you can almost predict again. You know, with this whole predictive or behavioral marketing, when when I see some of the people that I um, sort of worked with in the past, and they're all of a sudden active on LinkedIn you know, I usually send people a message and say, hey, listen, bud, are you looking for a job? And they'll <laughs> say, yes, how did you know? So I'm like, because you're asking for endorsements and, you know, why would you ask for an endorsement if you're not looking for a job? You know, yeah. and it's, it's interesting to see, you know, so I think for, for, for me, it's like as much as the behavioral um, uh, markers that you can pick up, the, the, the better, mm-hmm. right? especially this time, you know, with COVID and everything that's going on, this crazy time during this sort of pandemic, um, you can start seeing, you know, like what are the things that matter to people? Um, and you can start seeing, you know, like if people are losing their, their, their jobs or losing their income, it, it doesn't make sense that you continue to market to people the same way sort of before the pandemic and after the pandemic, it's like the same approach. you got to adjust your approach, but you shouldn't change your objectives. You know, you shouldn't change who you are. And I've had several clients say to me, hey, should I just get into hand sanitizers? I'm like, no, what do you know about hand sanitizers? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't just do it because, you know, there's like, oh my God, there's a need changing my whole entire business from like, you know, digital marketing to, you know, face masks. It, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't sort of work that way. But you do need to be quite understanding um, of pe- where people are, where their headspace is at. You know, they're working from home more. They're more likely to read longer articles. Like that's one thing that we find. So whereas before, you know, people are like, "Hey, short article, cool. I don't have time for this. I need to go to a meeting. I need this there's traffic, this this." I don't. now people at home. They have more time to read longer form articles. They have more time to study. They're more interested in online learning, learning new skills. They have more time to spend in the garden, spend more time with the kids. Well, some people, you know, cherish that. Other people are like on the brink. Um, Mm. (laughs) So you know, so so yeah. So so it's 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 definitely an interesting time for digital marketing. Um, But yeah, I think it it definitely shows that what well, we've been saying for years, for maybe the last decade, you know, digital marketing, you got to do digital marketing. This is the time, you know, everyone is going to be on it or is already on it. And we've got clients that are, that are now saying, hey, we want to build e-commerce sites, we want to do this, we want to do that. And, you know, it's not a lack of trying from our end, but it literally took a pandemic for people to move away from, like, print and, and like, TV commercials and, you know, and it's like we could have told you this five, ten years ago. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, I guess everyone moves at a different pace.
0: Talking about people reading more content now and longer paragraphs, Google has done a major update to its core. Well, well they do that quite often, yes. <laughs> which has affected many of us, including myself what can businesses do to improve their search results or SEO on Google? Yeah.
1: So, so it, it's a very good question, right? And it's not, it's not one that's easily answered. And I'll tell you why, because Google changes its algorithm just to keep, just to ensure, you know, people are not monopolizing rankings. Um, um, and maybe, Um, in in a way it's increasing the relevance of the results that are shown to people, right? So if you've always done your blog a certain way and you were ranked on the first page of Google for a lot of your blog articles and all of a sudden this algorithm change comes in and now you're on page six, right? Shock horror. (laughs) Mm. First thing you need to be able to do is you need to have some software to be able to tell you that your ranking has dropped, right? So I mean, there's no point sort of algorithm kicks in and you don't even know that it's affected you, right? So the first thing you need to do is have that that overview of where you are, which keywords you're ranking for, and where you're ranking within the sort of South African Google um, um, sort of ranking metrics. Um, you, you would also need to not test it on your own browser. Cause I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. They'll search for their own terms and they'll check. And then I am number one. Um, and this is what a lot of people don't know, but all everyone's browser profiles different. We get different results based on what we search for. We could search for the same. We could search for Paris, right? So you could search for Paris and I can search for Paris. Like, I've been to Europe, but I've never been to Paris. But you uh, assume you've been to Paris, okay? No, so I haven't. Me, okay, so let's mm. assume you've been to Paris and I haven't, right? Okay. If you search for Paris, it'll bring up, you know, like maybe some sightseeing, maybe some hotel bookings, right? And when I search for it, it may bring up something completely different because I've never been there. But because you've been there, it could re-recommend places that you've been because it knows you've been there, your phone's been there. Um, so your results are very different to mine. So I think the first thing is to have visibility of where you, where you were and where you are now uh, pre and post algorithm change. Right? Okay. And then the second thing that's important is to try and educate yourself and there's plenty of resources right, online, like what the new algorithm um, means. And usually, they're, they're, there's a huge body of SEO specialists. Um, say, for example, someone like Neil Neil Patel, mm-hmm. who who has a blog, and he would break down like, "Hey guys, you know, when it comes to ranking factors, relevance is more important." You know, the longer articles are getting penalized, or um, use of videos uh, are being um, optimized or moved forward into in, in the ranking, moved up in the ranking. So, if you had a long article before, perhaps consider shortening it and then including video. That that could be literally the advice that you know this new update sort of makes. you okay. But there's, there's literally two thousand plus. Metrics that Google looks at before they rank. Wow. So so, luckily for most Africans and most businesses in South Africa, it's not that competitive. So like if if we got a client that came to us and they said, listen, I've got a business and it's online gaming, I'd probably decline the job because I know how competitive it is. I won't try and set an expectation that I'll rank them for number one for video poker within a month because there are literally farms of people sitting and um, optimizing and creating content to try and rank number one for certain online gaming terms. Um, Insurance is another one. Super difficult to to rank for. But let's say you want to rank for it's like a multivitamin, you know. Or you want to rank for, you know, um, one of the products on your on the website. There, there. If you if you just do your work, leg work, in terms of the the factors that help rank, and you create the content, and I can't stress this enough, content helps with ranking more so than I think anything else. Um, because content can can speak to the relevance. So not many people are searching, like, um, for example, one of our clients is a big stationary supplier. They had a, prior to sort of coming to us, they had an agency that ranked them sort of number one for, for words like ruler, highlighter, pens, lever archer files, you know, Flip folders, flip files, they're ranked number one for everything, mm-hmm. right? Practically wow. in the station, but they weren't getting any business. Okay, okay. because nobody searches for ruler. Okay, <laughs> like, like so you one campaign, or wanted two people, Kenneth. Like, you know, it's like so. So putting it's like I use this analogy, like putting up the the best looking advertising and posters on a back alley where nobody goes, you know, it's like where people go to throw trash away. It's like, yes, sure. You know, it's amazing. you you've done this amazing piece of advertising, but nobody's there. there's no traffic. So what's the point? Oh, I love um, it. We changed the entire strategy. And we said, look, people are not looking for stationery that way. You know, when I buy a pen, I don't go pen search. <laughs> you know, so, so that's, that's important. But like you should create content that addresses the pain point of your audience, and not every product addresses the pain points necessarily, you know mm-hmm. like like say, for example, if you're selling Bentley's, you know people are not like searching like luxury cars or like you know yeah. it's a different behavior that leads to mm. a person that buys a Bentley versus somebody that's trying to get from A to B, right. So so somebody who's searching for a car that gets A to B, they might search for, this might be their search phrase, best family car um, or best family SUV in South Africa. You know, or yeah. best family SUV with lowest insurance cost. That's what people may search for. I'm not saying that's exactly what they're but those mm. are what we call long tail terms. Um, okay. But well, we'll need to do an entire podcast on SEO. SEO, yeah. (laughs) There's there's literally, (laughs) and I'm not even the SEO guy at the business, right? Because I like run a lot of the business development um, side of things and strategy side of things. But if I got my SEO lady and SEO guy to speak, they can actually talk to you for a week straight. Wow. SEO, you know, because there's literally that much information out there. But educate, like small businesses, guys you know you got to adapt and learn you know and and google is your friend just search for stuff whatever question you have verbatim just type it in even if you have swear words in the, the your question just type it in as <laughs> is and you'll get you'll get answers right um and you can you can educate yourself and that's the best way to sort of get more empowered to be able to do your marketing better and even if you if you if you educate yourself somewhat, at least when you approach a an agency, a digital agency, a traditional agency, and the people are trying to BS you, that you, mm. you're educated enough to say, hey, wait a minute, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Because I read that, mm. you know, so we get that a lot, but, you know, we're usually able to answer, like, mm. all the time. <laughs> but, okay, uh, so...
0: I definitely need to get your SEO people on the podcast because I've had many people <laughs> ask me about that. And also because SEO is not a cheap an investment to make. It's it's quite expensive getting someone to work on your SEO for your website. I know because I've done that on my blog. Yeah. But let's just talk, for example, a business that's selling clothes maybe, right? Yeah does that business really need to have a blog to help with their marketing? Is a blog valuable for businesses if they want to share relatable content just outside social media?
1: Yeah. So so the best way to answer that question is definitely important, right? Because the, the playing fields have just been upped. Okay. So, 10 years ago, if you had an e commerce site, people were like, Whoa, e commerce! You're like, Oh, you're amazing. We, you know, like there's only a handful of e commerce sites. Now there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of e commerce sites. Everyone with, you know, an idea wanting to sell something gets onto Shopify, gets onto WooCommerce, gets a site built. They might even go onto one of these free site builders. Um, there are a lot of e commerce solutions that are out there, right? So, And people don't, like I was saying, people, like, if you think you're searching for a product by name, you know, like, let's say laptop, you know how competitive it is, right? There's there's almost, like, the bigger brands will basically crush you, right? Mm Because I know we've worked on, like, again, I don't mention names because, you know, I don't know. What the legalities are on podcasts? because yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I might slip up and said what we did for them. But, <laughs> but let's say it's a, one of the biggest, bigger South Korean electronic brands. Okay, they would they would spend millions per month on ads. Um, and their 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 return on investments is not even that important because they're making all their money on certain products, they'll just spend millions in a quarter on a certain new product with no mm. real requirement to make money from that product. They just want it from a brand awareness perspective.
0: And let's say okay. they
1: they're selling a laptop. Now you're selling a laptop and you're you're like a e commerce shop and you're trying to get like what do you think is going to happen? Right? Like you're not even going to appear. And even if you do appear, it's like once for every hundred times that the other company appears, so so you can't rely so much on paid media because you know a lot of people are vying for those sort of top positions. But mm-hmm. so if you can then say, okay, cool, you know, let me write articles about like laptops. I'm just using laptops as an example, but let mm-hmm. me write articles about laptops, ergonomic laptops. So okay, cool. You know, like, which laptop's best for ergonomic. So you may not sell a lot of laptops, but when, when it comes to ergonomic laptops, especially if your laptop does have some ergonomic features, organically, you're going to be the, the first-ranking result, right? The most ergonomic mm-hmm. laptop or the, the highest refresh rate, whatever people are searching for. Right? So because people are searching more specifically The more relevant the data, the better. So if somebody's speaking to you um, with relevance, you tend to read it because, again, what's in it for me? I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to make a purchase decision based on what I've learned. If you're just saying to me best laptops, best deals, biggest discounts, um, yeah, guess what? Everyone's saying the same thing. You know, you're you're basically a sea of noise. Everybody's saying the same thing. As much as you like to think you have the best um, differentiator or you have the, the, the best brand proposition, everyone in your sector say the same thing. Every idea that you have, they probably thought of it. And if you're a small business, they've got marketing people, they've got strategists thinking of the same thing that you're thinking of, but with the think tank, right? So start looking at like, um, you know, if, if, if you're going to play in that space, don't necessarily play by the same rules, right? So if you're getting to a ring with this, you know, 200 kilogram gorilla, right? <laughs> and it's pound for pound, he's going to, well, the gorilla's going to just break you, right? So Maybe start with like taking out the gorilla's ankles, you know, or tying <laughs> these laces together, so you can go in and take some cheap shots. So I'm not saying, that, you know, I'm trying to use the analogy as like don't beat it up front because you're not going to have the media budget to to, yeah. to take them on. So think of think of tactics, think of a strategy, you know, like that that doesn't expose you in terms of from a financial perspective where you have to, you know, spend like hundreds of thousands a month just to be in the game. So SEO is, in fact, a better way, even though it is expensive, but writing content is not expensive because anybody, well, most people can do like an online course and learn to write, right? Yeah. Um, Speaking to your audience or engaging with your audience is not expensive. Understanding your audience is not expensive. So all the things that, perhaps bigger companies don't have time to do as a smaller guy or a smaller um, uh, startup, you can do, right? So understanding, delivering on value, you know, every time. From, from an SEO perspective, that's why they've made content so, such a big portion of, of the ranking factor. If your content is relevant, you have a much higher chance of ranking.
0: What is the biggest mistake you think that businesses make with their digital strategy?
1: Well, there's so many, but yeah, I'll think of the biggest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, So I think one of the biggest is, you know, ticking all the boxes and I'm speaking about everyone from small one man shows all the way up to blue chip listed companies on the JSC. Right. So they're like, okay, cool. Digital Facebook, our competitors doing Facebook, let's do Facebook. Our competitors also got a LinkedIn page, let's do LinkedIn, right? Um, they're spending Google ads, let's do Google ads. It's like people don't s- slow down uh, and, and sort of strategize. People don't think about what they're going to do before they do it, which results in a lot of tears, right? So, so you know, the the we don't like to take on jobs so, so one thing about us, right, um, as as agencies, we we don't necessarily want to just take on every job that comes our way. Um, and I, I know a lot of people say, "Oh, you're crazy," because you know in this economy, like take what you can get. But the thing is, if we want to build a long-term relationship with any clients, I think we need to start with the truth, right? And the truth is, a lot of the stuff is saturated, right? And the truth is also. A lot of the stuff, you know, is is sold based on what we have, not on what you need. Mm. So, so that's the biggest mistake, and you know, and and it sounds sounds a bit funny, but that that I think is the biggest mistake that companies fall for, right? So they fall for glitz and glamour, and they fall for the pitch deck of like agencies, and then. When it comes to the results, they're not specific enough. You know? And when the, it comes to strategy, they're not demanding enough. So I think that's the mistake that a lot of, a lot of um, I would say, brand managers or owners um, have, is that they, they, they don't sort of – I think it's also fear because people fear digital because they don't understand it. So I often get into a meeting, and when we start setting like objectives and KPIs with with clients of all sizes of business, um, it's a funny, it's a funny, it's a strange feeling. But companies would actually say, "Well, you know, we'll, we'll do this campaign, and we'll just learn from it, even if it's just the learning exercise. It's okay. Like just absolving everyone from responsibility. <laughs> you know, it's like." It's like, well, we haven't done digital before, so if we're gonna do digital it's it's you know, if it doesn't work, it's okay. I'm yeah. like, what? Like, you know, you wouldn't say that about any other type other type of marketing. Mm. So so it's like it's that fear, but also, you know, I'm not I'm not big for 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 businesses or agencies especially that sell something that customers don't need and they know that they don't need it. Do you know what I mean? So mm. You know I, I and, and, and that's still that's sort of that's in our culture and I don't you know it, it sounds like it's a sales pitch but like we really do want it to succeed you know from a numbers perspective so because we know that if we work with 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 you we work with somebody that you refer to us or we work with a new company we could, make them do a whole bunch of digital things that we offer, right? Like, so, mm. you know, coming, buy this, buy that. These are the things that we can do, buy it. And we make the money. And, you know, two months down the line, they don't see results, they'll move. And that's our mm. reputation, right? So reputation can take 20 years to build and five minutes to destroy. So, so for us, the, 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 the main thing I would say there is the biggest mistake people can make is just sort of letting digital, just buying anything that people suggest, not sort of asking the questions, not being strict enough in terms of the deliverables, like this is what I want. Show me how you're gonna take me there. Um, show me the metrics, show me the results, show me case studies proving that you can get the results. Right? And any digital agency that's worth their weight in salt should be able to do that, you know? And, and if they can't, they're just trying to sell you something at the end of the day. And, you know, and I think, you know, well, I guess everyone needs to make a living, but I don't, I don't like suggesting, and I don't think people should suggest a myriad of social media platforms just so they can, you know, invoice to, to, to manage it when you know that the clients don't really need those things, yeah.
0: What do you think businesses can do now to adapt to our new normal?
1: Um, good question. i actually wrote, a, I wrote a blog about it. Um, and I think the, the businesses should look at the behaviors around their customers, right? So so one of the things, you know, and I've spoken to so many businesses, I've spoken to so many strategists, ad agencies, you know, some, some people are struggling, some people are like retrenched, some people are like lost, well, retrenched, lost their job, same thing. Some people have taken 30% pay cuts, some people have taken 60% pay cuts, right? So I would always say that, you know, first of all, don't, don't give up on your goals, right? Don't, don't start changing, like, like, before you're like, I want to start a business, now it's like, oh my god, I I don't want to do anything, because I'm like, frightened into paralysis, okay? So that, that I don't recommend. The second thing I don't recommend is, I don't recommend that people change, like, um, pivot the entire business, (laughs) right? Like I mentioned earlier, like, so I'm just saying what not to do, and I'll tell you what to do. Um, so, okay. so, so people pivot and then they go, okay, well, I'm going to start making face shields and, you know, face masks and, you know, like hand sanitizers when they have no idea, or their business had nothing to do with those things, like literally three months ago. Uh, they don't understand the value chain, the supply chain, what it takes, warehousing, storage. They don't know anything about it. But they've pivoted around from making rulers to making face masks. I'm you know, just using examples. Mm. What I would do is, I would say, you know, like, you know, empathy is one thing, is being empathetic. You know, from from our perspective as well. You know, we 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 had clients that sort of paused their their um, um, retainers. But we didn't go and say, hey, you know, if you pause, you're going to lose this and that, and, you know, like scare them. Or... We, we basically support, we continue to support them. Uh, in some instances, we're, we're, doing, we're, we're giving services away um, um, either for free or, or, you know, sort of on a deferred payment, um, um, sort of uh, payment run. Okay. Um, so empathy is one of those things, the so understanding that people are all going through this, we're going through it together, um, and then understanding the behaviors, right? So like, even in a down economy, there are opportunities. So looking for, you know, how we could do things better. And, you know, I, I would say we're quite blessed in the sense that we're, we're actually busier, we're busier than ever. Um, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of um, inquiries, we're getting a lot of, like, business, we're getting a lot of um, sign-offs, which is good. And, and I think it's, it's, it's that sort of the, the, the ability to see that there are still opportunities in the digital marketing space that can get results, even in this economy. Um, and then identifying those and then being able to, to perhaps sort of leverage those opportunities. And for every business person out there, there is something that they can they can do. Um, it may not be sort of easy to find straight away, but it, 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 I, I would say you know don't give up, don't stop looking, because mm. you know um, and it's a mindset as well. You know, we, we I always teach the the the, the team. Mm to be quite adaptive, you know, agile, adaptive, and flexible in the way that we think. It's not to be so sort of stubborn and single-minded. It's good to be single-minded when you're trying to achieve your goals, but being adaptable to new sort of situations. So the behaviors around the audience sort of speak to that because then people, people are behaving differently, they're buying differently, they're shopping online, Right, they're they're valuing um, education more. They're relearning things, so all of those could mean, yes, you know, there are new opportunities, or there's a better way to do what you were doing. Um, so, so, yeah, and I and I think if you look at like Facebook advertising and or just general social media advertising, it's gone up a lot. I've seen some of my clients on the e-commerce have turned over some huge numbers, um, unbelievable numbers. And, um, you know, but it's not to say that they started this e-commerce like just after COVID. They've always had it. But now, you know, more people are online, more people are buying online, more people are doing everything online, you know? So it's digital transformation. So keep an open mind um don't don't you know don't don't give up I I, you know I mean that's the obvious one um and just I think pay attention to to the the behaviors because you might pick up a few things if you just slow down and pay attention to what people are doing um before sort of rushing in and doing stuff just for the sake of doing it
0: That's some very interesting and important points, Ken. Thank you so much for sharing that Thanks for and me. advice with us. <laughs> uh, I absolutely loved doing this podcast with you. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love working with you is I feel like you have so much knowledge to share. And, you know, we could literally go on for hours. <laughs> because,
1: I was just looking yeah, at the you- time. I was like, oh, my God. Is there, is there, a podcast. <laughs> um,
0: but you didn't mention you wrote a blog so before you leave maybe just share where people can find you or connect with you and your company if they want to get to know a little bit more about what you do and the services that you provide and offer
1: well I actually sent it out as a newsletter but i will get the team to upload it onto our blog but yeah you can find me on um uh, FlintStudio dot com um, and on um, LinkedIn profiles, just LinkedIn, just search for Kenneth Sun and connect. I guess yeah, I'm not really I'm not I'm not a big Facebook person because um, yeah I've I've done too many Facebook. Um, Strategies to know that I shouldn't be on Facebook that much. (laughs) From a corporate perspective, you know, it's like I'd rather leave things unsaid than speak too much on Facebook.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Kenneth.